Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Future File. Your weekly tech podcast with once me weekly. once weekly, now on a bit of an indefinite hiatus. <laughs> uh, with me, Jeff Parsons, the Mirror's tech and science editor, and with me as always, Shivali Best, hello, assistant tech and science editor. And the reason we are back with Future File in this relatively one-off sort of special is that we have um, a special guest with us joining for the discussion. We have Dr. Holly Reeve, who has joined us from the University of Oxford and is uh, currently a British Science Association media fellow uh, with us in the newsroom for a couple of weeks. Hi. And has decided to sit in on this uh, very special science-based future file uh, She's not podcast. sitting in. She's pretty much leading Actually, it. Actually, that's true. <laughs> sitting in is doing you a disservice. You're going to be leading it because... Teaching us about science. Teaching us about science. I'll what we're going to be doing is we're going to try and um, use your expertise to sort of debunk a couple of um, sort of myths maybe about science and scientists because... Uh, we, 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 Chevalier and I, we write about it a lot and we, we, we kind of try and keep up with what's, what's happening. But it's very different having someone that works in it day in, day out um, in your particular field. Um, so do you want to give us a little bit of a teaser, a taste of what it is that you do <laughs> and sure. your specialisms? Uh, so I'm a researcher in the chemistry department at the University of Oxford. And we specialise in trying to bridge the gap between biology and chemistry. So learning from nature and using that to improve our chemical methods. Um, and we have a big project that we're trying to take towards market to try and one day, hopefully in the future, make a difference to how the world makes its chemicals. Sounds difficult. Are you yeah. allowed to tell us what the big project <laughs> is? Are we allowed to talk about the pro- like how far and how far are we talking about in the future? It's pretty early stage at the moment. So mm. we have some results that are kind of the intellectual property is protected. We have some papers, um, but now we're trying to prove it on a really large scale. So. We've got some funding to help us prove that what we do in the lab on a tiny scale is applicable on a much bigger scale. And wow. we talk to companies about how that might help them out. Uh, are they generally receptive? Are people generally receptive to that sort of idea when you go to them with like, we, this is what we're going to do? Well, we're quite lucky because the, the science, the actual kind of science behind it is quite cool. So they tend to get quite interested in it because listen. it's just kind of interesting science. Uh, and then they start to think about the implications and often they're pretty keen um, it's all about clean sustainability and hopefully also making things cheaper, which companies often mm. like. <laughs> yeah, pretty good space to be in as well at the moment, I think, the um, making yeah. things cleaner, the energy energy crisis and things like that. Yeah, the UK is pretty committed to this area of biotech and pretty committed to more sustainable chemistry. So. And yet you've decided to spend your weeks with us. Yeah. yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're making much Take more of a difference in the lab. I've come to learn how to communicate science. <laughs> There's no point sitting in the lab by yourself all day. Uh, you need to, you know, all our, all our research is government funded. It's all paid for by taxpayers. It's important that scientists learn how to communicate with the rest of what the world. What do you think about how, like, not getting, like, asking for brownie points here, but how <laughs> science is usually pre- portrayed by the media? Do you Actually, think it's... That is a good that is a good question. Yeah. I think what I've already learned in my kind of week and a half here is that if you're reporting on a, on a new paper or a new idea, 
you know, you can't go and look at 30 years worth of literature and try and get both sides of the argument. Like, if you're reporting an article, you're reporting that particular story. So I think you're in a really tight spot. You're always going to find <laughs> scientists themselves find things really controversial. Um, so, yeah, often scientists can feel like things have been taken out of context or you've not quite got the point. But from being on the other side, I can mm. see how hard it is to... Yeah, I think if we do longer form features, it's really nice to like look at both sides mm. and look at a lot of papers and stuff on it. But because it is so fast-paced and we have to get stuff up quickly, it, as you said, it's hard to yeah. get a really in-depth look at the background of everything. Definitely. I mean, writing introductions to academic papers is the hardest one of the hard parts of writing papers because there's so much information out there and yeah. if there's no consensus then there's you know I think you have to be um, trying trying to capture as much as it if you can in a sort of a news piece to, to pique people's interest to go and look at it further yeah. uh, and then if you can provide kind of resources so oh this is where this comes from this is the paper and sort of direct them where they need to go then if it you know yeah if it, if it catches the interest of the people then they can, can kind of go and learn about it a little bit themselves Exactly. Um, which I find maybe was, is, is easier to do in, in some uh, parts of science versus other parts of science, I think. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> right. I don't, I don't try to be the, the, the knowledge on all parts of science. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's what no, that's what Shivali and I said before we started that you are here to represent science. We are here to extract Holy information and knowledge from yeah. you. Um, sure. One of the myths we wanted to start out with busting is one that you suggested to us, which is that scientists, this view of scientists from um, regular people, as they sort of inward-looking, closed, shut off in a lab somewhere, not engaging with um, wider discussions. Um, I don't know ethics, politics, those kinds of things that can influence where science goes, um, economics as well. Um, what's the actual truth that is that completely is that <laughs> such an outdated I think I think when you think of scientists closed off in a lab you think of like going back to Isaac Newton and those guys who would sort of just shut themselves away or Galileo yeah, uh, and they nowadays were kind of considered you know on the edge weren't they they were kind of groundbreaking in their own way I guess there are scientists I'm sure that live a more isolated life but I like to think that some of the best scientists go out into the real world talk to people um, because science is about solving problems and for that you need to work out what the problems are uh, and also about finding solutions and for that you need to talk to people too so I think you know a lot of our lives is going to conferences talking to other scientists it's um, reading literature by you know now we have the internet we can read literature from across the world in, in seconds so science is becoming more and more communicative both kind of inside science and external to science and you find more and more scientists kind of working in policy working in education working in all kind of different areas i think one of the issues as well that people don't know many scientists <laughs> if you said to someone name a scientist they'd probably say what like stephen hawking but oh, could anyone name a chemist Brian like <laughs> there's not very many prominent scientists that people know about so in their head they've got this idea of what they're like instead of actually having <laughs> this reminds me of a time to... someone asked me what i did and i said i am a scientist and like <laughs> no one's ever let me forget it it's just not the kind of thing you say because immediately everyone's face goes blank yeah i feel like people that are involved in science in any kind of way uh, kind of call themselves something else i mean you have medical researchers but they probably call themselves you know medical researchers yeah. but ultimately science is a really big yeah, <laughs> scientist is a really too big a term. when you meet someone you introduce yourself what do you say and they say oh, what do you do, do you i say, often say i work in the university in the chemistry department oh, right. and if they push me which is rare because chemistry department is a big enough <laughs> barrier i say i'm a scientist but if they stick with me they, they often find you know i, I know some stuff and they're yeah. interested yeah definitely yeah so it's not is there um 
is there a more opening up now of, of science? Do you think like we're trying to we try and cover it as much as we can? Um, how does it science? Obviously, you have the the events that you go to during the course of the year, but generally speaking, is it opening up? Do you think? I think a lot of science opens up, and what I've seen from the last couple of weeks is that you report a lot on kind of the physics and space and health and tech. Um, what I've not seen and what I've been trying to do is shoehorn some chemistry in there, but it's really really tough. I think chemistry is still mm. quite hidden, and I think it's really easy to forget the impact that chemistry is having on our everyday lives. I went to a green and sustainable chemistry conference recently and the, the entire premise was really that chemistry has been accountable for a lot of bad things, but actually chemistry is one of the ways that we can build a more sustainable future. It's kind of really key in that. So mm. a lot of science is more accessible, I don't know. <laughs> but well, I'm still I, not sure chemistry. I think, yeah. you think of science, it sort of boils back to um, school and you just divide it into chemistry, physics and biology, you know, and yeah. you're right, physics, you know, skews towards space travel and, and that sort of stuff. Biology skews to health. So immediately you can distill them down into things that... Chemistry, like, underlies what are, all what, of them. This is what we're trying to say, yeah. 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 Chemistry is what allows you to understand biology. Yeah. Or physics. Like, or a physics. lot of mm. it. Yeah. So, okay, let's... How let's... do you make chemistry cool? That's I, the question. Yeah, I really struggle. I think... <laughs> we're skipping ahead now, but I think... Uh, I went to a school recently and I asked some kids... Um, what chemicals they interacted with today, and they all said bleach. And I realised that they. What are you playing with? Yeah, yeah. Take the bleach Which away. school is this? <laughs> and I was like, anything else? You, you know, that you've interacted with today that's made by a chemist, and they just shook their heads really. And I was like, oh my goodness, in my world, everything's chemistry. Like everything yeah. in all of your cosmetics, the materials of your clothes, the dyes in your clothes, the medicines you take, things in the food that you eat. Like mm-hmm. everything you interact with every every day is probably made part of it by a chemist. Plastic, I mean, it's all made by chemists in labs. <laughs> so chemistry is... So what did the kids say when you told them that? Did they? Well, they looked a bit shocked. They were just yeah. sort of... That it's in their iPhones and it's in the you know, the yeah. screens of e-readers inspired by butterfly wings. I mean, th- 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 that's, you know, it's everywhere. That's an interesting one, like, the inspired by nature kind of idea. A lot of people don't understand that in the lab, a lot of stuff is inspired by natural stuff. That's kind of where chemistry and biology come back into it, yeah. like, underlying each other. So there's huge challenges to for the world to support the, pop- the kind of population that we're growing. People need food, they need health, and they need energy. And these are the kind of things that nature's been tackling for a really long time. So we know that trees and plants get energy from sunlight, and we know that scientists are now working really hard to crack you know, solar, solar power in general, and a lot of that can be inspired by nature. Um, putting planes in the sky, that was all inspired by planes. And a lot of the medicines that we take are kind of taken from, taken from the rainforest. You often hear that, right, that, that, that rainforests kind of have a wealth of medicines that we, that we, could, we could learn from. Um, yeah, it's all around us. Jeff, what nature inspired? Tech well, I just like? think of, I do. I think of when I think of nature inspired tech, I think of airplanes and flights. You know, looking mm. up and seeing birds. I, I think still now, scientists apparently um, watch birds fly in big uh, air hangars, and they can see how they respond to subtle changes in wind to help improve airplane designs. Mm. That's that's the main one that comes to my mind yeah but um i suppose medicine as well would would be one herbal medicines herbal medicines that sort of thing but even the modern medicines we take um come from nature or at least a part designed by nature they're often far too complex for a scientist for scientists to have kind of just pulled out of the bag yeah often the basis of our medicines is kind of taken from nature in some way 
Interesting. So it's sort of to look at what nature is doing, improve upon it, mm-hmm. evolve it, but do it in a way that's not going to impact, um, well, the, the, the environment, because, sure. say, nature, the planet, we only have limited reserves of certain things. Yeah. Um, it seems to me there's, like... It's this, complicated. It's right? complicated. <laughs> and it, this process can take so long. Yeah. So I'm always... We were talking earlier in, in the week about how I, it blows my mind that people can take such a specific... Um, you know, tiny little aspect of science and just nudge it that little bit further during the course of a career that might last for, you know, decades. Mm. Um, But it's all about that mentality of sort of taking a little bit, building on what someone else has done, having somebody else um, build on what you've done and slowly, 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 we we, we push it along. Um, I'm interested to know what you think about timescales in general. Do you think (laughs) we're like up against it in terms of... So, for example, like I, we do a lot of um, pieces about uh, well, air pollution. You know, we did yeah. something about air pollution earlier this week and um, carbon emissions and things like that. And there's there's always warnings coming on. Of course, we, we're going past the point of no return and all that sort of stuff. Um, climate change is a big, big issue. So, as a scientist, do you and your team feel like up against it a little bit to try and? Make these th- make these discoveries, push these papers out, get this get this in the public sphere as, as fast as possible. Or I think what's the it's tricky. Science mentality? often moves at its own pace. It's, it's sometimes hard to rush it. And I think different scientists, different groups, different topics all work at different paces. You have people doing very fundamental science that right now you might look at it and be like, how is this ever going to be useful? But it'll probably become critical to something mm-hmm. at some point in the future. And then you have the more applied science. I guess we're on the slightly more applied science where hopefully the timescales will be a bit shorter. But they're only shorter if you then start working with people that are doing science. Actually apply on a, them in like practice. Yeah. Exactly. So working with companies that are already doing it, things right now, you know, you can't, as a person in a lab, uh, move science forwards all that fast, yeah. I guess it comes yeah, back. It's a big chain reaction, isn't it? It has to be someone else picking it up and then... Yeah, and a lot of science is about being in the, in the right place at the right time and connecting with the right people at the right place at the right time. But yeah, there's definitely... I think it scares me sometimes that... Uh, people, I guess, who are relying on scientists to crack a lot of these problems. There does seem to be that, when um, overpopulation becoming a bit of an issue, and um, some people, uh, Bill Gates is a very prominent one, who stands up and says, no, no, more people means more scientific breakthroughs means we will be able to effectively figure our way out of this issue, and that we can look to science. And we have a good to, history as, as humans yeah. of <laughs> figuring Which, out ways. You know, I... I would I would prefer to believe that than other opposing views, which can be, oh no, we're all going to destroy our own planet through overconsumption. Um, you know, if we can innovate and find new ways of doing it, enough people can get behind science, and it all ties back to making more people aware of science. <laughs> Holly <laughs> coming, in, Holly coming Hi. and joining us on the podcast. Thank God for science journalists. Absolutely, we really say. are the um, the most important <laughs> people there are. Um, communicate the problem guys but like what do you also I want to pick your brain on you know I think I think things like bioengineering and biotech can Mm -hmm. sometimes get given a bit of a a bad it can get a bad connotation it's one of the biggest PR disasters in science exactly (laughs) and it's things like Hollywood movies maybe Mm -hmm. you know bioengineered viruses and stuff like that so what's your um, kind of pet peeve of that (laughs) tell, tell us about like fighting back against that it's really tricky so I mean, That's evolution is <laughs> evolution <laughs> is, is essentially uh, modifying genetics over time, right? Natural selection. If if a if a infant, something goes wrong in your DNA, but you get a really positive trait, you're more likely to produce, reproduce, and then that trait is going to be carried on. 
Um, we've taken wolves and kind of turned them into chihuahuas. That's a favourite for people to, to say. You know, we've, we've selected out the tiny chihuahua, useless genes. I'm going to offend chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then now scientists can do that in a more controlled way. We can make um, changes to DNA that we, that we know are going to be useful. Uh, and at the moment, we don't really, you know, some, some countries have more general rules on that than, than we do, but we're, we're a bit more controlled. It's used in a research um, basis all the time. So in the chemical sector, that's how we do a lot of biotech. That's how we use biology in labs. We design um, biological machines to do chemistry. Um, so there's a lot of good around this kind of genetic modification. There's also always going to be the, the other side. This is mm. where the morals of science come in. Yeah, but I think we hear so much more about the bad biotech than itself. The good stuff. It? Yeah, <laughs> which is sad. Like one of the, my favorite stories I learned about biotech was about um, them making tomatoes with antifreeze proteins in them, so they can be grown in these really cold areas. Yeah, and provide and seedless ones, so that they don't have to kind of rely on. Uh, they can grow them in much more controlled ways. I was reading about that recently. Yeah, but it didn't get many reads. That's the no. problem. Like, <laughs> no one cares about tomatoes with antifreeze proteins. Or they have the, the idea that it's plain God and that they don't naturally have that. And I think with the whole this kind of drive for organic at the moment, everyone's kind of well, thinking it should be all natural. But I wonder if it's something people sort of take attention when they see the finished result. You know, I wonder if there's a bit of a, a, a feeling, I don't know, I'm just speculating, whether there's a bit of a feeling of, of you know, science come out or science, science media comes out and says, oh, we're looking into this sort of thing and this potentially could be great. And people maybe just sit back and go, yeah, great, come on, tell me when it's actually here. Show me my... I was reading about it. Show me my, my <laughs> genetically modified thing. Have some patience, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think the farmer in me, um, it, it kind of feels strongly about this as well i mean we have to find ways to produce more food for the for the ever-growing population especially in the developing countries and we have to find you know this it may help with growing crops in more extreme conditions um i was reading an article about growing aubergines in bangladesh earlier today. Mm. um but it is it is important it's going to happen um and i think that's why i feel strongly about communicating it it's not scary um, a lot of it is happening in, in really non-scary ways, but we do all need to know a little bit more about it because when the ethics and the morals and, and, and the discussions come up, if we all had a little bit more of an idea what it was about. That's true, yeah. I suppose it's all well and good sort of rocking up and saying, oh, look, we've created this genetically modified crop. Then we go, well, well, hold on, how, how did you get here? What did you put in it? You know, it's, you yeah. have to communicate it each step of the way exactly. to make well, sure it's going the right direction. Well. It's like, oh, if I ate a genetically modified crop, am I going to have these horrible side effects which it's not mm. going to happen I don't think it's going to happen but, but it won't because we've got such like well we think we've got such things <laughs> in place where you know that doesn't happen it would reach it, a stage where by the time it gets yeah. to stuff that we're actually using it's been through the the, the I don't know the checks and balances that yeah, you need right Holly right yeah so I mean as a again, scientist yeah right modified crops is not my area of expertise <laughs> I work on enzymes <laughs> um, but yes there are really strict checks more strict in some countries and other countries but especially in the EU we have really strict rules mm. actually okay let's go let's go global then for a second let's go global. How, how does the UK um, how, how is the UK science environment compared to say that in other, in other countries um, <laughs> what, what, what are we doing right what are we doing wrong what are other countries doing right and doing wrong as, you know, in, I mean I only do science in this on. country but um, I would say that there is good there is a really improving help from the government from different facilities to try and get research coming out of labs and into the real world um, then that, that's definitely improving and I think it's better here than in some other places 
other places like what? <laughs> I don't Can we know. USA. <laughs> USA. <laughs> yeah. USA is having some changes in policy on their science that's, funding. Yeah, that's I'm, right. sure Trump's I'm not sure really I want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, politics. does 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 politics um, <coughs> politics and science like should they mix or should they not mix or do, do, can you not have one without the other? In um, a world where science is publicly funded, uh, I guess you can't separate politics mm. and science. Interesting. Shirley, what do you think about that? <laughs> Moving, <politics> on. <laughs> Moving on. Right. What other myths can we debunk about, about enzymes? You got the one <laughs> enzymes. I well, that's what we talked about one before about how people see chemicals are bad. Yeah. Whereas they could actually be really environmentally friendly. Well, I think what I'm trying to say is that chemicals are everywhere, they're everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, for example, if we look outside the window, actually from here, central London, we can't see. Um, trees and plants, but where I work in Oxford, <laughs> we can. Um, trees and plants take the really kind of cheap and available materials around them. There's simple nutrients in soil, there's gases in the air, and they turn them into colours, smells, in some cases, kind of things that can act as medicines. Um, all these things are chemicals. They're chemicals that are being made in trees and plants in a really sustainable way. Uh, so chemicals are not inherently scary and dangerous. Some chemicals <laughs> are bad, mm. and some chemicals are really, really good. Uh, and, the, and I guess chemistry uh, as a thing, chemistry is just turning one chemical into another chemical and that's happening all around us all the time. It's only when it comes into the lab, I guess, that we kind of really consider it chemistry. Mm. So um, if you, I mean, you're, you're um, making way in your career and you've chosen what your specialism is, but if somebody is listening to this or um, people are thinking, oh, I'd like to get more involved in science, I would like to, this might be a career option for me to do, um, what, where, where, what are the good sort of places they can go to learn a bit more about it, apart from obviously the mirror science section? <laughs> <laughs> are we talking people that are kind of deciding if they're going to university, or are we talking adults here? Um, I suppose, I suppose for, for, for a career point of view, it would have to adults, be someone at university, like... but for adults who are just interested to maybe learn more about it, maybe we can get involved in, maybe even if you don't want it for a career, if you just want to learn a bit more about yeah. it and you want to maybe, I don't know, help out. I mean, there's loads of places um, on the internet. I was learning about a website called Zooniverse. Have you seen it? No, no. I haven't. It's where you can get involved with like science projects. They kind of do, um, how's best to explain it? Uh, they kind of outsource some of their data collection to the general public. So you can kind of log in and get involved with science projects. That sounds cool. Yeah. You should check it out. There's also so many, like, there's the Science Museum, which is actually really good, like... It's got so many interactive things where you can try them out, and also the Welcome um, collection. Yeah. If you're in London, also often has like amazing exhibitions and things. And the universities. I mean, at Oxford, we have loads of kind of science outreach stuff. We had a big Curiosity Carnival that I was involved with last year, where researchers kind of filled the streets and the museums and brought their bit of science to to the world. And that's kind of a good way of hearing about loads of different little bits of science that are going on. Yeah. One of the best ones I've been to is something called, um, I think it's called A Pint of Science. Have you heard of it? No. Yeah. <laughs> but you go drink beer and is hear a, a scientist give a talk about what they do. And like, it's a nice way to com combine having like a nice evening while learning a little bit about science. I think that sounds mean, great. Is yeah. that in London or is that I think around, it's all over the UK. All over the UK? I think you just Google Pint of Science. Pint of Science, yeah. I think it might be a British so Science Association run thing. Oh, okay. British Science Association, another good place to go. That's true. Science. Yeah. And we have the... And we the also have the British Festival. Science Festival the British coming Science up in Hull up. this year. Yeah. In Hull, is it? Yes. Great. 
their uh, their program has been yeah. released. It looks very exciting. Cool. Okay. Um, well, we're sort of about ready to wrap it up, I imagine. Um, Holly, what? Where can people kind of find out more about what you do and who you are and uh, things well. like that? Give yourself <laughs> a little a little plug. Uh, I guess the chemistry department website at the University of Oxford, um, Hydrogen is the name of my project, H-Y-D-R-E-G-E-N. That's because we use hydrogen to recycle <laughs> or to regenerate uh, biological Oh, nice. Play yeah. on words. Nice. <laughs> like it. Unfortunately, like if you it. type it in, Google will correct it to hydrogen. Oh, no. Element, so oh, <laughs> you no. have to be careful with that second E. Yeah. Okay, we'll have to start. So if enough people Google it the way it should be, the way yeah. you've been, we might be able to change that. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to read more of our science and tech articles, you can visit the website at mirror.co.uk forward slash tech. There you Plug go. yourselves as well there. Plug yourselves yeah. as well. <laughs> so brilliant. Thank you uh, very much for tuning in. As I say, uh, Future File used to be more of a weekly thing. It's since sort of gone on an indefinite yeah. hiatus, but it's not dead. Yeah, we might have the occasional ones. The occasional ones that come up as yeah. and when. Um, but as always, thank you very, very much for listening. Um, get in touch with us. We're on the Twitter, at Miratech. On the Twitter, on we're the on line. The, we're on the line, on the Twitter. <laughs> you can find us there. Um, get in touch if you've got any thoughts uh, or suggestions but in the meantime thank you very much for joining us bye bye bye